Great. Well, I don't know how Nikki, you're going to cut that into something that makes sense, but <laughs> I'll, I'll find I, I a way you and trust you completely. <laughs> <laughs> if she can edit me to sound like a somewhat, you know, <laughs> that'll be great. Welcome back to BYOB, the Bring Your Own Book podcast. We are so excited to finally be back for season two. I know it's been a little bit since we've been here talking about books, drinking some drinks, but we are so happy to be here and we can't wait to get started. We have a really fun episode coming up. I'm Kelly. I'm Nikki. And I'm Tilly. This week, we're talking about Ace of Spades by Ferida Abike Iamide, a YA novel which was published in June 2021. And we also have a very special guest for this episode. I'm a big fan of hers. She's an American booktuber we all know and love who has a popular series called Book Community. It's Jess Owens. Welcome, Jess. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. We're so excited to talk to you about this book. So before we get into the book, we want to give a quick heads up that this book deals with many difficult subjects, including systemic racism, racially and sexually motivated violence, homophobia, PTSD, and suicidal ideation. Here's the publisher's synopsis from Nikki. When two Nivea's private academy students, Devon Richards and Chiamaka Adebayo, are selected to be part of the elite school's senior class prefects, it looks like their year is off to an amazing start. After all, not only does it look great on college applications, but it officially puts each of them in the running for Victorian too. Shortly after the announcement is made, though, someone who goes by ACES begins using anonymous text messages to reveal secrets about the two of them that turn their lives upside down and threaten every aspect of their carefully planned futures. As ACES shows no sign of stopping, what seemed like a sick prank quickly turns into a dangerous game, with all the cards stacked against them. Can Devon and Chiamaka stop aces before things become incredibly deadly? With heart-pounding suspense and relevant social commentary comes a high-octane thriller from debut author Farida Abike Iamide. Uh, Okay, so the drink we've chosen to pair with this episode is actually a popular casino cocktail called Last Chance. It's made with two parts vodka, four parts orange juice, and one part triple sec. We thought it would be kind of a good fit because of all the gambling themes in this book. I mean, obviously, it's called Ace of Spades, and also the threatening mystery of aces giving you know rise to the meaning of the words last chance. Yes. Oh, so why don't we all just uh, take a little sip here? I'm very excited. It's very orange. Yeah, there's a lot of orange. I was really surprised to have orange juice and triple sec, so it's going to be tart. Okay. I didn't even know what triple sec was, so... <laughs> Here we are. (laughs) We're learning new things every day. Here we go. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, wow. Mine was not mixed. That was quite strong. Oh, oh no. I kind of pushed the ice cubes around a little bit, but there's definitely vodka in there. You need to swirl, swirl a little bit. (laughs) Swirl. Did you say swirl, little girl? (laughs) Or is it swirl a little bit? Oh. <laughs> Isn't that James Bond's thing, you know, shake and not swirled? No. <laughs> Starting off strong with some dumb jokes over here for me. <laughs> Ooh, 
Wow. Yeah, she is tart and bitter. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect segue. (laughs) (laughs) As you all know, if you have listened to any of our episodes from season one, we like to start off with a star rating out of five. And we all have our different reasonings behind why we rate it the way we do. So, yeah, why don't we get started off with our special guest, Jess? What did you think about this book? So when I clicked, I finished this book on Goodreads, I didn't rate it. And I've been trying to process my thoughts. Um, and so I'm, mm. I, I feel like I'm, bet- I would, a 3.5 rounded up to four. I have a lot of feelings. Mm. Like it was a really easy, like a quick read. I thought it would take me longer, but I kind of powered through it. Um, it the atmosphere was there. It, ha- it made me very anxious. <laughs> And, um, but I also was very uncomfortable. Like I just, I can't say I enjoyed it because I spent the entire book angry and worried. Yeah. So like I have this weird, weird feeling with the book, but I'll, I'll just sit at four for now and we'll talk about why. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Nikki. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of feel the same as Jess. Honestly, I spent the whole time kind of being like, Oh, I don't know. But at the same time, I mean, I was messaging Kelly and Tilly being like, you guys need to read this book. You need to read it right now because there's so much stuff happening and I need to talk to somebody about it. It was just like one thing after the next. I felt like every plot twist was warranted which is great and something you don't see a lot in um, like YA uh, mystery fiction and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that was really great. But I ended up giving it a four star. There were things with the writing that I didn't particularly care for all that much. And I think having background before reading it ruined some of the plot for me, which I'll get into later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, four mm-hmm. stars. Okay, I, wow, okay, I gave it a four and a half out of five, even though I agree with quite a few things that you just said, Nikki. (laughs) And similar to you, Jess, I, on Goodreads, I was like, okay, I need to process this. I still haven't written like a little review blurb because there's just so much in this book that I'm like, whoo, let's Mm -hmm. unpack this. (laughs) But I ended up giving it a four and a half because even though there were some moments where it was not a surprise to me uh, in terms of how some of the twists played out because of the background knowledge we had from some of some of the marketing, I will say. I'm going to blame the marketing because <laughs> I think that's what did it. Yeah. Because um, I loved how it was written, but I already knew it was going to happen at some points. And so that I don't always enjoy, but... I still gave it a four and a half because of the way I felt reading it. I was so sucked in. I was so concerned. I was excited to find out what was going to happen next. How is this going to play out? So, yeah, four and a half. What about you, Tilly? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be kind of repetitive because I feel like we all kind of had the same experience reading this <laughs> book. But I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, on, I'm in the same boat. I, I gave it, I think, a four out of five on Goodreads. And that was mostly based on the strength of the writing. Like, I really feel as a, a debut author... She was able to create a world that I was compelled by very quickly. Yeah. Like I was realizing as I was reading through that um, things start happening kind of right away and you're already invested. Like you don't need a lot of background on the characters to really feel like interested in their story and like want them to succeed. 
Um, and I think there were some really well executed plot twists. Uh, I do find the pacing was like a little unpredictable at times. And sometimes things were like revealed almost too late to be relevant for the story, but I still really enjoyed it. I agree. Jess, it was a super quick read mm-hmm. and yeah, I kind of flew through it and I felt like yikes all around the whole time, <laughs> but I think that's a strength of the author that she made us feel yikes. Yes. You know? So, so much yikes. With it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so did you say a star rating? I said a read at the beginning. I said a four and a five. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard the emotion. I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> well, I'll repeat it. I gave it a four out of five. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I, yeah, I got to say, like, the very beginning for me was a little slow, like a little slow burn. And then I was like, oh my God. Like, I was on the edge of my seat. I felt like I was watching one of those 90s thrillers, you know, like the witness yeah. of a firm where I was like, oh God, like, just because you know, you know, bad stuff's going to happen. And like, oh my God. I, yeah, I can't believe this is her debut. Like, this was yeah. great. And she yeah. wrote it during university. Yeah. And what? How dare she? <laughs> I know. I had no idea that this was her debut or when she wrote it or anything. I went into this completely blind. I actually had it on my Goodreads, and when Kelly mentioned doing it for the podcast, I was like, what's that? (laughs) So I literally didn't remember what the book was about at all. I didn't read the synopsis in the front before I started reading, and I'm so happy I didn't. And reading the author's note at the end, I was just like, man, she's so accomplished, and this was so good. I mean, we've talked about other debut novels that were like, woof. That was oh bad. <laughs> I was just and this was say, like so amazing. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, remember we talked about Sarah J. Mass with Throne yeah. of Glass? I was like, oh, she wrote it when she was 16. I'm like, yeah, clearly. Like good for you, <laughs> it's but also obvious. <laughs> Yeah, like good for you, but she started this when she was 18. I can't imagine. Honestly, it's just very rude uh, of her to be so talented. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Quite yeah. so talented, so yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. What did you think about um about Devon and Chiamaka? Like, did you find yourselves leaning more towards one of the characters than the other? Like, I had a hard time liking Chiamaka until like the middle and not like feeling sympathetic or anything. Like I was still really worried about her, but like thinking of like, would I want to be friends with this person? You know what I mean? Like I was so like Devon got me right away. And I understand that Chimaka was supposed to be kind of like, um, is it Blair Waldorf? Is that her name? Gossip? Yeah. Never, the kind of like unlikable, yes, popular yeah. girl kind of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, you know, Farida did her job. Like, I did not like her at the beginning, but I still cared about what happened to her. Yeah. Like, did you find yourselves leaning more towards one character? Yeah. I felt closer and felt more for Devon, especially right off the bat, um, for various yeah. reasons we'll get into later. And Chiamaka, I definitely struggled. And towards the middle, I started to feel more like compassion for her, like I understood, but I still never liked her. Even up mm-hmm. to the end, I just was like, ah, she just wasn't my favorite. But like, you know, I felt for both of them for what they were going through during the story. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, she was definitely, um, you know, the mean popular girl, which personally I cannot relate to at all in my high school life. So that was very outside of my experiences <laughs> being like cool and popular. Um, but I do agree that there was like a compassion there for her, especially when she started kind of realizing that she might have feelings for um, someone else who was, wait, can I say this? Is this a spoiler? It's kind of a spoiler. <laughs> All the things I want to say are spoilers. This is a really hard book to talk about vaguely. It is, I know. I'm sure we're going to go into spoilers pretty soon. Because, yeah, it's like... Yes. How do you? Great. Well, I don't know how, Nikki, you're going to cut that into something that makes sense. But I'll, I'll find I, I a way. I you and trust you completely. If she can edit me to sound like a somewhat, you know, coherent, <laughs> that'll be great. Uh, oh, my God. So do we want to get into book recommendations then so that we can go into spoiler territory? I think that's probably a good a good time. Yeah. So I would recommend Legendborn by Tracy Dion because there are similar themes in that book that are also in Ace of Spades. So Legendborn is about a girl named Bree, I believe. It's been a while since I read the book. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, okay. It was a big book, but wow. Um, so she goes to university for like a pre-college, I guess this is in the US, so college, pre-college high school program where she takes a few courses and she's living on the campus and taking some classes, etc. And she is one of a few black people and the institution is clearly, like, you know, built off of slavery and rich, privileged white people. So she feels like an outcast and she joins this secret society where it is very much just, like, not her usual scene, right? And people don't treat her with respect and there's definitely, like, some well-concealed racism and some overt racism in the society. So it talks about racism, eugenics uh with some of the root magic we get into i don't want to give spoilers but there's just a lot of similar um themes in the book some tonal similarities and i really enjoyed it that was also a debut novel it was an urban fantasy and there are things i didn't like about it but i enjoyed it overall so i would recommend legend born by tracy dion nikki do you have a recommendation um i do you're going to laugh because it's going to sound really backhanded and awful <laughs> considering what we thought about the book during our uh, last season. But I'm actually going to recommend <laughs> Children of Blood and Bone by Tommy oh, Adeyemi. <laughs> my God. I did not personally like this book, but I don't think that other people wouldn't enjoy it. Tilly really liked the book. Yeah, I loved it. And it... <laughs> It has a lot of similar themes. There's a lot of talk about um, race and all that kind of stuff. And I think that it's something that if people really liked that aspect of this book, it's something to delve further into in Children of Blood and Bone. Okay, Tilly, do you have a recommendation? I do. So um, this is less of a content recommendation and more of a like theme and tone uh, recommendation. So I was really reminded a lot while reading this book of a book I read when I was in high school or maybe middle school. I remember having kind of a large impact on me. So it's an older YA novel called Knots and Crosses by Mallory Blackman. 
Uh, it's kind of more of a sci-fi and speculative fiction story about an alternate kind of segregated society with a dark-skinned ruling class and a colorless underclass who were once slaves. And so this also deals with prejudice and racism and forbidden romances, and it's more of a kind of Romeo and Juliet retelling, but I remember it being uh, really impactful. I mean, I remember having really poetic writing, and I don't know, it just made me think a lot uh, about that story while I was reading this book, even though obviously they're quite different. That sounds really cool. I'm going to have to look that up. I've never heard of yeah, that Yeah, it's one. great. Cool. And do you have any recommendations, Jess? Yes. So I would recommend Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Booley. I read recently, yeah, like I finished at the end of July. And then is it also a YA? Um, I've seen it categorized as thriller. I would say more mystery because it definitely is more of a slow burn. Um, it's a little longer than Ace of Spades, but I thought of it just because, again, a YA mystery. And it is has a lot of hard topics that it covers as well. Um, and the main character is she's white and Ojibwe, if I'm saying that correctly. And so she's just dealing so more like ethnic and racial struggles. Um, so that was just one that I thought of. But it's really good. I would check content warnings, though. There is a lot in it um, dealing with indigenous people and like history of residential schools a lot. But it's so good. And it's also a really amazing debut by an Indigenous author. So that one's good. Yeah. Awesome. That's I been on my list for a while. I have that in my the room that Nikki is recording in today. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to read it. I know I'm going to need to like take time to just focus on the one mm-hmm. book when I read that one. I'm so excited. Yes. So that's awesome. Thank you. All right, we're moving into spoilers territory now. So if you haven't read the book and don't want to know how it all turns out, you should probably stop listening right now and then come back because we love you. And if you like what you're hearing, (laughs) feel free to leave us a rating or review on your podcast app of choice. So if you don't want any spoilers, you should leave now. Okay, we'll begin with a quick recap of the rest of the book so we're all on the same page. Each chapter alternates from the points of view of two students at Nivius Academy. Shy pianist Devon Richards, a scholarship student just trying to get through high school so he can escape to Juilliard. And Chiamaka Adebayo, the beautiful head prefect and queen bee of the school, who is hoping to go into pre-med at Yale. Both students are living with secrets. Chiamaka is haunted by a car accident last year, which left a blonde girl bleeding out in the middle of the road. And Devon is wrestling with the decision to tell his mother he is gay, as well as secretly dating the toughest man in his neighborhood and occasionally dealing drugs for him to make ends meet. Devon and Chiamaka don't have much in common, but when an anonymous texter called Aces starts revealing their secrets to all of the other students, it becomes clear that the two of them, the only black students at Nivius, are the main targets. Throughout it all, Chiamaka and Devon are still just trying to navigate high school life. Chiamaka has been in love with her best friend Jamie for years and is crushed when he starts dating pretty lacrosse player Belle Robinson. Meanwhile, Devon's best friend Jack has been distancing himself from Devon ever since finding out he's gay, and Devon's secret boyfriend Dre feels forced to break up with him because of Ace's texts. Chiamaka also realizes she has growing feelings for Belle, and they begin seeing each other. As Devon and Chiamaka slowly become social pariahs, they hatch a plan to catch the mysterious texter before their lives and futures are completely destroyed. They figure out that all the texts are being scheduled and sent from a computer in the Nivius library on Sunday nights. 
Chi and Devon go on a stakeout, and they see someone in a mask log onto the computer. Chiamaka unmasks the person, but she is horrified to discover that it's the blonde girl from the car accident who she thought was dead. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, so on the computer, Devon finds out that Nivius Academy is home to a disgusting secret society called the Ace of Spades, which is dedicated to systematically ruining the lives of its black students. Most of Chiamaka's and Devon's friends are listed as members. And as the records show, the school accepts two black students every 10 years, and in their senior year, the society strikes, orchestrating incriminating situations to drive the students out of the school or even to their own deaths. Along with Terrell Rosario, a kind young man from Devon's past, they all come up with a plan to expose Nivius on the news. Devon, unsure of who he can trust, also tweets about the Ace of Spades Society. They all prepare for the Snowflake Ball, where the news station will broadcast the confrontation. However, at the ball, Devon and Chiamaka discover that the news station is also a part of it all and never intended to help. Shocker. Just as Headmaster Ward brandishes a gun and threatens to take them down once and for all, a wave of protesters break into the school. It turns out that Devon's tweet had gone viral, and people from all over the country mobilized to come to their rescue. In the aftermath, somehow a fire is started and Nivius burns to the ground, killing Jamie. Yes! And so other students. <laughs> I'm sorry, I did not care. <laughs> I had no feelings. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> In the epilogue, 16 years later, we see a letter from the founders of an underground society dedicated to protecting young black students from the kind of systemic discrimination and psychological warfare at Nivius. The letter assigned Dr. Chiamaka Adebayo and Devon Richards. We find out that Terrell and Devon end up together, and in the last scene, Chiamaka confronts a dying Mr. Ward in her medical office. End yeah. scene. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the ending. I was like, even though I definitely cared on like a personal level more for Devon than Chiamaka, that mm -hmm. ending, I was like, oh, like, yeah, her. yes. Oh my God. I was so excited. But I was like, did she kill him? Yeah. Okay. So that's how I felt too. I was like, on the one hand, I'm like, yes. And then I thought about it and I'm like, wait a minute, but what actually happened there? So I had several questions at the end, like, uh, you know, final patient, it said, yeah, what kind of doctor was she? Uh, who was this pregnant Mia that they talked about? What was she going to do with Ward? Is he a living patient? Is she killing him? <laughs> I have questions. I yes. was assuming that the pregnant lady was her wife. Yeah, I assumed that. But I was like, how come it's just a throwaway like Mia? We don't know. We don't because, care. About, you know what I mean? Yeah, we don't care about Mia. I want to know. <laughs> did she kill Ward? That's there were so know. many other questions i needed answers to that honestly mia was like the last of my concerns i was like pregnant lady who cares yeah. i was <laughs> like, invested i was like chimaka found out that she was gay and it was like so beautiful and and powerful and then yeah. you know, she ends up with a woman and i was just like so happy for her well gay or bi right we don't really know we know yeah. right yeah we don't really explore that side of her very much but like when we got to the end yeah i was like okay great i'm glad she's happy she's in a relationship but I hope she gets her vengeance here. I hope she just like, you know, <laughs> oops, just slipped away. <laughs> you know, like, My bad. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> or even better, she just like doesn't give him his last round of medication for the day and he just, just like. Just stares him down. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> just he dies away. slowly. Yes. Oh, my God. On that note, 
I'm going to jump near the end of the book. We will we'll jump back and forth. You know, don't worry about it. But <laughs> this is just reminding me of Jamie's death. Okay. Wow. When yeah, Jamie drama. died, I was like, thank God. Okay. Like, I feel so bad being like, I'm so glad you died. But <laughs> A, he's not real. B, yeah, he's a special awful. character. Yeah. I can feel that. Yeah. Like, just from the moment we met him in the book, I was like, he's going to be disgusting. He's going to be a piece of shit. I already know yeah, it. Yeah, bad vibes. Yeah, bad like, vibes. I grew up in a small, all-white town, and I just, I knew who that was. Even though I didn't know a rich Jamie, I knew a poor country bumpkin Jamie, you know? <laughs> I think we've all met Jamies, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I was like, oh, my God. And when she was like, I wore the right shoes, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that greatly. <laughs> that honestly, so the the amount of times they talk about her wearing heels and running was the most unrealistic part of this whole book. <laughs> because I was just like, no, no, bitch, no, you're not running away on the grass in those stilettos. It's oh not happening. God. Just wearing stilettos to school. I was like, why? That, uh, also, if girl. anyone was to do it, she would, because she is committed to the look. Yes. yes. Yeah, she is. True. Yeah. What did you, what are people's thoughts on Jamie? Okay. Because he disgusted me to my core. I have so many notes where I'm like, oh my God, I hate Jamie. I hate him. Like I did not like Jamie, but I thought that he was very well written. I enjoyed reading the parts that Jamie was in because I was like, you're just like such a gaslighting little fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. It, there's no other way to describe him, but the way that she wrote it was so good. I was getting so mad and I was getting uneasy and I was like, maybe he is right. I felt like he was like successfully gaslighting me at some parts where I was mm-hmm. like, maybe he just, he he is so traumatized that he can't remember this accident and stuff. So I was like, I was all about it. I was all about him dying too, but yeah. like, it was just really great. <laughs> Very well written. Yeah, I get yeah. that. Definitely agree. In the beginning, even before he was starting to show his real colors, I still was like, something ain't right. Like, I can't put my finger on it, but you don't yep. feel like a good guy to me. Like, in the beginning, just yeah. little things that he would say or, um, I yeah, just like their mentions of memories or or a reference to like a party or something. And I'm just like, ah. and then you started to see a little bit more, but then he would switch back so quickly. And you're like, I'm like, you're, yeah, something I'm going to, I'm going to, and when we still were under the belief that this whole accident, you know, was a real thing, I would get so mad when he was like, basically like, well, it didn't happen for me. Like it happened for you. You know, I don't know what you're talking. I was like, oh my God, I hate rich people like you. And then we all we obviously see. So I too rejoiced when he died. I was like, actually, I was just like, I lie. I take that back. I just was like, oh, it like I was like, good, you know, because I just didn't yeah. care about him. So I was like, yeah. good, he died. Let's move on. <laughs> right, like don't give him the power. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel the same way as all of you. Jamie was bad news from the beginning. Didn't like him one even bit. And Chimaka was always like fawning around over him. I'm like, what is so great about this guy? <laughs> but that always happens. You know, there's always like the one shitty guy who like the really cool girl is like into for some reason and no one else understands it. So yeah, see it all the time on The Bachelorette. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Um, that whole dynamic, actually, with Jamie and Chiamaka really reminded me of... Do you guys remember the uh, TV show Veronica Mars? Yes. Yeah, it just really gave me those vibes. You know, like, the rich guy and the, like, not necessarily as... Well, I mean, Chiamaka was rich, too, but I think she wasn't, like, um, like first-generation rich family. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the whole thing about the party and the, like, missing memories and the, like, maybe some sort of sexual assault... And kind of trying to figure out and digging deep into the the histories and the death and everything. It really brought back a lot of like Veronica Mars feelings for me. So I really loved that show. So I was really kind of um, not, I'm not going to say enjoying that portion of the book because obviously not, but yeah, uh, yeah definitely bringing up a lot of those same kind of vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I bringing up that party and all the flashbacks she had, I really still don't know. Like, what happened at that party? Like, was she assaulted? Was she drugged and then just, like, humiliated for um, blackmail down the road? Like... Probably any and all of the oh, above, I'd say. Yeah. Just disgusting, honestly. But I will say... This is going to sound awful, but I appreciated the fact that earlier on in the book when Devon's um, explicit photos or, like, I think there was, like, a sex tape sort of mm-hmm. yeah. on... When Scott. that came, yes, with Scotty. Oh my God, I read that my husband is Scotty, and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> <Could you>? But, <laughs> but feeling mad at him later. Yes, I was like, how like Scott, how dare you? Every Scott I've met in real life has been nice. So I was like, how dare you? You tarnish the name. Anyways, um, <laughs> when that happened in the book, I will say I was pleasantly surprised even though it was a horrendous terrible thing to happen that the author chose to make it about devon and about his coming out and not about chiamaka and like continuing the very tired trope or like idea of like women engaging in sexual activity and then being like promiscuous you know and then shaming them Mm -hmm. so this way it was still terrifying but it was more about you have you have just like really taken something very personal to someone who is not out and just splashed it around everywhere. Like that's such an invasion of privacy. I mean, both ways are, but this was just a new take on that kind of horror, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I yeah, it's definitely started to become kind of a trope for women to have these like secret sex tapes that come out down the line, you know? Yeah. And I, I did appreciate as well that even though um, part part of Devon's storyline was being outed to the school, it wasn't his entire character arc. Yes. So it wasn't the whole story wasn't about like, oh, God, am I going to ever come out to my family? Like he had so much else going on that he was working through and obviously all the PTSD from when he was in middle school and, you know, his father dying and he didn't know about it in prison and just all these really difficult things that he was going through. And I mean, all of those were terrible and I'm not, I'm not trying to say like one of them was better than the other, but it is nice to see a, a gay character who's not just like the focal point is them coming out. Yeah. They're not yes. just there to be gay. Right. Yeah. The thing that I really liked about that too, is that nobody really came back at him about those, those things like, Oh, his sex tape was released and that is so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But nobody was walking up to him being like, oh, you're gay or like calling him names or anything like that. It was just like, everybody was just like, yeah, we exposed your secret. Ha ha. Like it was anything else. <laughs> but at the very beginning, Chimaka was like, she said, 
sorry. She said something to Jamie about, like, don't be so uh, stereotypically, like, white guy about Scotty being on the football team and drama club, whatever, and him being gay. Because, and then to herself, she was like, oh, wait, but I'm stereotyping Devon because he's black and gay. And I'm kind of, like, Mm -hmm. surprised by it. Like, that was the shock to her. Mm -hmm. So, which I thought was also interesting because that is, you know, a big issue. So, yeah, I liked all these little tidbits to try to like learn more about each character and all the different like problems that are plaguing them. I was like, Oh my God, there's so much to go into, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, um, I know we all hated Jamie, but I also really couldn't, I was really, I hated how Jack treated Devon because yes. you know, all this time they were friends and he just kept being like, you know, I wonder what's wrong and what's going on. And especially at the end, oh my gosh, like I don't condone violence, but I'm glad he punched the shit out of him because what, and he was like, you know, I have to work twice as hard, but you've got, I forgot what the word was. Um, Affirmative action. Yeah. And I was like, so I like, his was a little, you know, less, he wasn't a rich whatever, but for him to be slowly distancing himself from Devon when he came out and then being one of the people involved, oh, I was so upset. So upset. Yeah. I know. That was so upsetting. Yeah. Especially with all the flashbacks that Devon had of like, Jack, I was there for you when your your father died, your parents died. And Mm -hmm. like, we were there like watching them being put into the ground and we cried together. And there was like such an emotional bond that they had. And then for Jack to just betray all of that, just because of this, um, like this bitterness and this jealousy and this hatred that he felt. It was so awful. Yeah. Well, and the fact that Jack was like, you did this to yourself. I'm like, what did he do? Yeah. You know, like, Be are born? you serious? <laughs> yeah. And Existing, yeah. I think the worst betrayals in the book were Jack and Mr. Taylor, okay? Oh, my oh, God. Mr. That Taylor. really scared yes. me. Yeah. I think I was that was... Livid. The best line... Or the line that was because I can. And I was like... No, just when he started laughing like Juilliard. Like, what do you mean? I can't. Your face. Oh, I can't take it. I was like, what? Because I was like, I I wrote down in my notes. I kid you not. Like the Tyra Banks meme. Like we were rooting for you. Literally, I was like, okay, at least he's got him. Yes, like (sighs) Mr. Taylor, his mentor. He's helping him along, and then. So him and Jack, I felt like were the worst betrayals. Belle, I was like, I don't trust you from day one. Okay. Yeah. Whatever, girl. But Mr. Taylor and Jack, I was like, how dare you? Like, I can't. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) The the writing for that scene where you find out that Mr. Taylor is not this great guy, it was so cinematic. Mm -hmm. And it really did bring me back to watching the movie Get Out. Mm-hmm. And when at the end, they're all like kind of attacking her and she's like, no, let's go, let's go. And then he's like starting to leave and she's like, you think we let you leave? Like, yeah. You're so stupid. <laughs> and it really brought me back to that moment. And I was like, <laughs> like having like a panic attack, like flipping <laughs> through the pages, trying to like get through the section. I couldn't put it down. It yeah. was yeah. so crazy and it made me so mad. And even though obviously myself and Tilly and Kelly have a different experience. We're all still women and Mm -hmm. being put in a position like that and reading a man like that. I was still like, I felt like that could be like 
me trapped in a room with someone who's like super psycho. And I was like getting all of these like personal feelings like mixed in with this um, like bigger picture kind of thing. And it was, oh, it was just a lot. And it's bringing me back to it. Just talking about it right now. I feel gross. (laughs) Yeah. This, this book also reminded me of Mexican Gothic because of the gaslighting and Mm -hmm. eugenics and that too. But like the amount of gaslighting in this book and Mexican Gothic, I was just like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. It's just crazy. Even to the end when like I was team Devon the whole time. He's like, I don't think we should trust this newscaster. I'm like, I'm with you. Don't trust her. You don't know who she is. No. She's working for. As soon as they didn't specify if she was white or black. Cause I was like, why would you go to a white lady to report this thing? Obviously you have to assume she's not trustworthy. Because I was like, oh, maybe they'll go to, like, a black news reporter, and then that yeah. would be, like, and then they didn't specify anything about what she looked like, I don't think. And I was like, oh, it's over. It's done. They're fine. Yeah. Once she said, no, let's not do, like, a piece. Let's do it live. I was yeah. like, Like, yeah. you didn't need it's any convincing. I don't, I don't like it. But when the, there's just so, I think that was a big plus to the book is it definitely oh I feel like a lot of books that are marketed now as thrillers are mismarketed in my mind I think thriller is fast-paced and like has you on the edge of your seat anxiety like this and I think more other books are kind of like slow burn mystery but this one definitely was like I just felt like I would want to pick it up but I'm like oh my god am I in the mood to be so uncomfortable right now And, like, just every chapter, I'm like, oh, no. It just is, like, an anxiety, an uncomfortable feeling from, like, page one to the end. I was like, oh, God. Because even, like, I think the first or second chapter with Devon, and they get named prefects, and he sees, like, a flash on the screen, and he's, like, of, like, an ace or something, and nobody notices, and I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Already at the beginning. To the end, so, whew, atmosphere. When we were talking about um, doing the episode just, like, a week before, I guess, or right before Tilly started reading the book, she said, "I should I watch Get <laughs> Out? And I said, yes, you should. And then I immediately regretted telling her <laughs> to watch it because having seen that movie ruined a lot of the suspense in this book for me because Mm -hmm. i was like oh clearly everybody's in on it Mm -hmm. like yeah is this whole like systematic thing built against them and i was like well well okay like it it kind of ruined some of the the thing like i didn't know exactly what was going on but i was like well you're probably in on it and you're probably in on it and like like i've seen get out it's been a while so i don't think i remembered it as clearly but I so I didn't go immediately see everyone was on it but like I always I was I didn't suspect Mr. Taylor anything at the beginning but like even Terrell I was like are you I don't like everybody I just was like are you trustworthy can I you know (laughs) um Bell and so yeah I think but I definitely think watching it closer can definitely just make you see kind of everything coming yeah. Well, it, it's funny that you say that, Nikki, because I, yeah, I did watch Get Out. I hadn't watched it before, even though I, I knew it was supposed to be really brilliant because I'm a big scaredy cat and I was really scared <laughs> to watch it and be freaked out by any kind of scary movie. 
Um, but you know, I did a little reading about it and I was like, okay, so it's not so much that it's like scary and the jump scare and all that it's more like social commentary and, you know, all the, the difficult, you know, facing our own society, blah, blah. So I watched it and, uh, very excellent, excellent movie had to process for about eight hours before I could think about it again. Um, and then when I was reading this book, it honestly didn't occur to me at all that there would be a kind of like group, um, you know, behind it all. Yeah. I was really fixated on the, uh, the dead girl from the road. Yes. And I was like, okay, she's ace of spades because, or she's aces because, you know, there was all that mention of Chiamaka went back afterwards and there was no blood on the road, nobody at all. And I was like, that's so suspicious. But the tree was still dented. But the tree, mm-hmm. right. So I was like, I I think it's that girl. I don't know why and I don't know how, but I'm along for the ride. So I didn't even, and then when it became a whole society, I was like, oh, but I can see how, you know, that is kind of a spoiler to market it like that with the name Nivius, and i'm glad they touched on it later in the book oh right but yeah. Nivius does mean white i didn't know and that i didn't Latin, know that right? before reading but as soon as they said the name of the academy i was like it's a clue <laughs> so i googled <laughs> it yeah oh i had like, i was just I was like, like mm. i was like latin was like words yeah school yeah latin right? yeah <laughs> like, well i was so- just like oh it's a latin name that I feel like it's probably going to mean something, especially because I was already like hypersensitive mm-hmm. to the fact that it was probably going to be this whole like society. That being said, it didn't, it didn't really like ruin the book for me. I still had a really good time and I was still enjoying all the plot twists and how things were coming out. Yes. I think if the writing would, would have been not as good I would have been like, well, that it was just kind of a write-off. Yeah. But it was so much fun, even though I was kind of suspecting. And with Belle, as soon as Chiamak is like, oh, her like beautiful blonde hair, I was like, it's it's either her or she's like related related to to someone. Yeah, I thought she was the dead girl until she like was like, Your sister or whatever. Because yeah, Mm -hmm. she kept bringing up her blonde hair, and I was like, we know a blonde. She's supposed to be dead. Like there's only one blonde. There's <laughs> only one blonde in the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I did think it was going to be a group of people, but I didn't think it was going to be the whole school because I was holding out for and beyond Taylor. other schools too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And oh the news. Fucked. Yeah. Yeah. It's a network. Honestly. A network of I, terrible yeah. people. <laughs> the social network. <laughs> I know I was just I was writing the like character document for us and I kept having to write like we think it's this person but they're actually trash and this person's trash and this person's trash mm-hmm. they're all trash all of them well yeah oh. at the end of it it's like who can we still who do we still believe in Terrell oh and that's Terrell. pretty much it right I was and so Belle sort of too no I, I don't trust Belle I okay hate her. <laughs> she was awful. I think that I think that Belle became I don't want to say the word redeemable isn't right. She didn't yeah. become redeemable, but you did see that she she did care for Chiamaka at least a little bit because she did tell her at the end After like she was Chiamaka like, you know, confronted yeah, her. But I mean, if if you were a part of this really awful scheme to ruin these poor people's lives and then you loved one of them, would you be like <laughs> Okay, sorry, sorry. I just gotta. I just gotta. Before we eat dinner, I really need to just tell you this really awful thing I've been doing. So, <laughs> no, but like, but like, like maybe, maybe if, I would do that. Okay, if I 
was Belle, okay? And this was happening. And then Chimaka comes in and she's like, hey, are you aces? Are you part of it? And I went, okay, but I didn't know what to do. And my family's... I'd be like, bitch, you ruined my life. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, no way. Like, I'm very... I'm very loyal, okay? (laughs) If someone screws me over like that and it's not even like oh you screwed me over like you want to harm me you know you hate me you hate mm-hmm. you know like i can't because the same thing with jack and when jamie was like oh i tabbed it right here page 239 would i have <laughs> touched you if i black chicks oh yeah yikes mm. so yeah i just i don't like Belle. i don't like her because it was just like terrell being like well did andre help you did he or did Jack help you? Like, are they actually good people? Did Mr. Taylor help you? Right. I was like, <sighs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> Belle, yeah, I don't like Bell trash. Throw her. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, throw her right out. I just felt. Yeah, no, I wasn't trying to say she wasn't oh. trash. Oh, I was yeah, just no. trying to say, <laughs> yeah, if you were in that situation, there's not a whole lot of other ways you can go about. No, doing that. So, like, I think that what she did was, like, what I, probably anybody would do if they I were would, a piece of shit. I would. I mean, if I were a piece of shit, I'd be a piece of shit, right? <laughs> yeah, hard to, hard to imagine that because it's so far from reality, so. <laughs> that sounded really sarcastic. Yeah, like, no, oh. it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> I have well, trouble like, with sarcasm sometimes. No, no. <laughs> I'm, like, just too good at it, you yeah. know? So. I feel like you could come clean and then you just have to deal with the consequences. Like, you're probably not mm-hmm. going to be together. But, like, the fact that she didn't say anything until she was confronted, I'm like, I Yeah. Because she's know. like, I fell in love with you. I'm like, but how did you fall in love with me if literally the society that you're a part of hates my essential being? Like, right. not, not because I... Yeah, not because I... My, you know, my way I dress or some personality trait you can change. Literally, because I am black and the, so yeah. your family, the society hates me, but you fell in love with me while also participating in my downfall, I don't believe it. I refuse. Yeah. yeah. yeah and it was also, it was so quick too. Like they only knew each other for like a few days or yeah. weeks maybe. And I was yeah. like, is that love or is that something else? No. Yeah. It, it, like yeah. Just, it was also really funny to me that. She was dating Jamie, but at the same time, she was kind of like, Jamie isn't doing this good enough, so I'm just going to insert myself in here and also date or try to, like, get Chiamaka to like me because he's just, like, he's not moving quick enough. We need to, like, Mm -hmm. we need to get the ball rolling here, which is something that I didn't really think about until after the book was done. But when I was thinking about how nice she was to her and them hanging out and her kind of always being on Chiamaka's side whenever something happened between Chi and Jamie. And I was like, she was mm-hmm. basically just like, Jamie, just get out of my way. Yeah. You're not looking yeah, like better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then she was like, but I kind of like her. So like, what do I do? I just, <laughs> I guess I'll just Ugh. catch a cold. Like, <laughs> She's just like, I'm sick. I'm like, she'll, I, she'll never realize that my sister was the dead girl yeah, we don't look, don't look at this light. frame We're this one frame on my wall <laughs> not suspicious at all I was like, <laughs> hearing the noises upstairs i was like who's upstairs i yeah. know i was kind of bummed that it was a cat because i was like right? let's get some fight and action happening <laughs> <laughs> How did we feel about um, Terrell? Because personally, I was very suspicious of him, especially Same. because every um, 
every time Devon would talk to him, he'd just be like, so what's going on with your life? And like, wouldn't really share anything about himself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's in on it. But I was really kind of rooting for him because I, I felt I wanted him to be good. You know, I wanted yeah. him to be what he seemed like the kind young man from his past. Like, that's what I wanted. So I'm really glad it turned out that way, but I wasn't sure it was going to. Thoughts? Yeah, I felt the same way. She wrote it really right. <laughs> ambiguous almost at times because yeah. he seems like harmless, but then he kind of came out of nowhere and you're like, you just brought this person back to your house. Then you find out that he knew him and he's like, you don't remember me? And I'm like, oh, why doesn't he remember you? And then yeah. he seems to be on his side, but then it was like, when his mom knows who's Terrell is, I'm like, oh my God, what did he do? And then you figure that out and then... He says that he did help a little bit at the beginning. So she just like kept you being like, okay, is he good? You know, and like overall he was, but the whole time I was just like, he's got to betray Devon. I know it. I know. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess there was like a little baby betrayal in there too, right? Where Mm -hmm. he was sort of kind of working against him briefly, but he was like, I said no. Yeah. Which is very, you know, commendable to be in that difficult situation where you're trying to get some extra money for your, like, I think his sister was sick. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then to still be like, no, you know what? I need to stand up for this person and for my moral stance. In Canada, that wouldn't happen because we have health (laughs) care. Yeah. But it's very, very fitting for America. Very on brand. Yeah. Honestly, I I had to throw that little... But no, see, I felt like Terrell was different from Belle because he came out and said, I betrayed you. I'm so sorry. This is what happened. He was Yeah, but he only did it when he got found out too. No. Yeah, because he was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. What did he say? Like 17. 17. Yeah, Yeah, and he was like, I didn't tell you that. And he's like, Yeah, you did. And he goes, no, I didn't. And then Terrell's like, oh, I looked at your phone, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. then he had to tell him because he got caught. So mm. I still I still really like Terrell. Yeah. But I'm just saying that <laughs> happened. I really, yeah. I really liked Dre as well. I want, I kind of wanted um, I loved Dre. Devon and Dre like, to end up oh. together. I yes. they were, you know, especially where they'd known each other for so long and yeah. felt like they had... Um, such a beautiful like bond what it was like twist. really giving me like boys in the hood vibes like mm-hmm. the guy who's like stuck in in their kind of like world and their community and then the other guy who wants to like get out and make more yes. of himself yeah but it turns out he should have been running the other way yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was so pleasantly surprised at the beginning when you have like Devon going in to meet Andre for the first time, like in his room. And I thought yeah. he was going to get beaten up. I thought it was going to be oh, like yeah. something went wrong. And then when they started kissing, I was like, oh, yeah, my said it was spicy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, he's the one. He's the key. <laughs> you know? But they still had to keep it secret. So I wasn't, yeah. I, did, I wasn't hopeful that they were going to make it in real life. Cause I no. felt like Dre still had so much shame. Yeah. Yeah. It made me so sad when he went back later in the book and they like had that, that like one last night together. And I was like almost in tears. I was like, this is going to be it. It's no more. Did you have Song of Achilles vibes? Because I did. Of like impending doom. We both really care for each other. (laughs) Beautiful love. Yep. 
impending doom. <laughs> there, it, there was, you know, yeah. I mean, that's the whole book, really, impending doom. Well, truly. Your American jab earlier, which does not hurt my feelings, America is trash. I said it. Um, <laughs> so when I started this book, since I had, I follow Frida on Twitter, and so I know she's based in the UK, and so I assumed with private school, Nivius Academy prefects, I was like, oh, yeah, this is set in England. And then they would say, like, make references to the UK as if they weren't in the UK. And I was so confused. And then, you know, it said that this is set in America, but just very general. And she talks yeah. about in her author, author's note that she did that so that mm-hmm. it's not just uh, associated with, like, a certain place that this can happen anywhere, which I get. But part of... In books, I'm a very big setting person, even when it's uh, like contemporary. Like I want to know if it's a city or if it's by a beach. Like I love a specific setting. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that threw me off and and just the use of like prefects. And um, one weird thing, and maybe this is just because I'm American, but Jamie's last name was Fitzjohn. And I just didn't feel yeah. like that went <laughs> together. Yeah, like, and well, I just felt like that's a made up name. Yeah. yeah, I was like, really, that's Gerald to me, I was fine. just like, this is throwing me off. This is a made yes. up name. Fitz it could have been Fitz, like, Fitzgerald yeah. would have been perfectly yeah. fine. I and then the William Pride and Prejudice, like British oh, yeah. again, you know? Yeah. Well, that in was the like book, Fitzjohn. they, they <laughs> specify that they're in the States by saying something like, oh, they want everything about Nivius to seem British. They even make us call our principal a headmaster. Oh. Yeah. Something like that. So it's like, clearly it's in the United States, but I think I got a little over halfway through the book before I was like, she's never said where they are. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I wanted I was to really know. happy when I read the author's note that she addressed that. Yeah. Because it is so hard to write something so long and never specify specifically where you are. Yeah. yeah. And do it in a way that like, Like, I didn't even really notice it until later in the book because I was just thinking, like, where are they? I was like, are they in, like, Chicago or something? I don't know. I was getting, like, Illinois vibes. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, oh, what is this? And then I was like, they never said. But then I was like, yeah. So I was like, is it the Northeast? Is it, like, on the coast? Is it Connecticut, Northeast? I don't know. Because, yeah, there was the water. um, But yeah, that was that. I think also. I love the whole sub, I don't know if you want to call it subgenre or just aesthetic of dark academia in books. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. so I went into that. We all with love a good school this. setting. Yes. <laughs> and I just wish it was like, an, <clears throat> like they stayed at the school, like it was like a boarding school. Um, mm. Just for that setting part, because mm-hmm. then who, oh, but the mess they could have gotten yeah. into with that. <laughs> the isolation of being at a boarding school. Yeah, not right. your. And also no parents. Yes. yes. Like there's no contact other yeah. than the teachers. Yeah. It's so scary in the yeah. dorms. Yeah. <laughs> Aces would have gone wild. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't had more like card puns so far. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because um, I have been looking on Farida's website and she has all of the characters as like um, the jester and the pauper and the minions and all that, almost like they're little um, kind of like card characters. It's really cute. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, I would suggest looking it up because uh, there's really lovely art for each of them. And now that I'm looking at their faces, I'm like, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, you know, Terrell is like the wild card. I'm like, yeah, he was. Yeah. I didn't know right up until the end. And that bullshit works. Rosario, the cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. Well, I will say just quickly going back to the setting, like I understand and appreciate that she wanted to show that like this can happen anywhere in the world. But I'm also kind of like, why didn't she set it in the UK, but just like not mm-hmm. in a specific spot? Like, why the US? Because she is from the UK. You yeah. Know? Maybe she really wanted to have that healthcare thing in there. Because in the UK, they also have very good healthcare. <laughs> like, if you go, if you have to take a taxi to the hospital to give birth, they give you the taxi fare back. Which is when amazing. You they could do. Yeah. So like, how dare you? I would not want to have to pay for an Uber, or which people are doing now, to get to the hospital. Or, like, pay for your cab just to, like, push out a baby. I'd be like, I'm busy, okay? Like, <laughs> you have to take me to the hospital. I'm about to push a living thing out, okay? And America Anyways. said you're going to push out some money, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, ten grand or if more. If you can push a baby, you can push or out more. some dollar bills. <laughs> yes. It's so expensive. Ugh. Yikes. I can't. I can't. Um, one thing I wanted to kind of bring up was, did you think that the twist of the society and who Aces really was happened too early in the book? When did it happen? Oh. It happened kind of midway through. I remember yeah. being like, oh, now we know. And then most of it was kind of after that was dealing with the fallout from that mm. and the plan. And yeah. what do we think? And then the ending wrapped up so quickly. Oh, yeah. It was like so much anticipation. And then it was all of a sudden like fizzled out and it was done. And yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, I felt like that pacing was a little weird for me. I think it happened too fast for the amount yeah. of information we got about the society. Right. Yeah, it was kind I of think an info dump. We all read Truly Devious. Jess, I don't mm-hmm. know if you read that book by mm-hmm. Maureen Johnson, but the format of it is it goes back and forth from present day to the 1930s when this murder took place. And so you get all of the things that are happening around the murder when it actually happened. And then also when they're trying to solve it later. And I think that a format like that would have worked really well for this book because I felt like at the end, I was, I was satisfied with where our characters ended up, but I wasn't really satisfied with the information we got about the Ace of Spades Society. I mm-hmm. would have liked to hear a lot more about the first victims, how the yes. society came into play, maybe Headmaster Ward when he was in the society, like how did all of these people get together and they just, were they just sitting around at a party one night and they were just like, you know who I really hate? Let's take them down. Black people. And they were all like, yeah, yeah. That's like, like, how do you even, how do you even broach that topic with a bunch of people, I guess. Like, so I would have really loved to see more of that because I felt really dissatisfied at the end with, how everything came to be and the I was really interested in the inner workings of the society especially like how did they do all this before text messages and before you could just like shoot people off a text or look them up on Facebook or anything Mm -hmm. I don't know that was kind of my feelings I think it was too early for the info we got but if she would have given us more it would have been a good time I wanted to know more about that and Especially the ending, like, 
I was happy everyone, like, it was almost like a here come the Calvary that happens, like, in fantasy books that everyone showed up. But then, yeah, it was just, like, over. And I, and then it was, like, epilogue. And I was like, wait, wait, no. Like, obviously, you know about the fire. But, yeah, I do agree. I don't know how not to make it too long because sometimes that can also happen where it's like, all right, we get Mm -hmm. it. But, yeah, definitely them figuring out who Aces was in society and then the, the plotting, they were going back and forth for a while. And I was like, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. It would be cool to get a prequel yeah. about like the beginning of the Ace of Spades and get it from the perspective of maybe some of the people who were in the, like, in the society rather than the victims or have mm. both. Yeah. But yeah. I just felt like there was a lot of information lacking because – they were kind of guessing at things mm-hmm. and they were guessing right, but that's not really realistic. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, and all, and obviously it's, it's fiction. I'm trying to suspend disbelief, but yeah. the, that has been going on this long and it's every, why every 10 years, only two black, yeah, like, I'm like, no one ever, arbitrary. yeah, like every I, you would think it would be every year so it didn't look so suspicious because only every 10 years, two black students and they never graduate. Like, I feel like, yeah. you know, yes, that would eventually be, you know, I was like, oh, Well, then I was okay. like, why not every five years so every class gets a chance to do it? Yeah. So couldn't you argue that it's like, it's so obvious, but it's like, isn't that the point? Because mm. we're all just like, pushing everything everything under the rug you know like what do you mean yeah so like they wanted to give it enough time for the other people to be forgotten but like why would you pick such a nice like round number (laughs) like yeah yeah. like i guess whoever started it was very type a and was like (laughs) so i guess what we're saying is we all want to know what are the detailed rules of this awful society yes what's the guidebook like i mean i think it would have helped to understand um, and really hit home the horror. Mm-hmm. But it also say, worked really well not knowing all that and having them kind yeah. of slowly figuring it out. So I don't know. I'm up to minds of that one. Well, the way that things were revealed, I kind of felt like this book was a thriller horror because mm-hmm. like not so much of like, well, I mean, when the masked ace was like coming into Chiamaka's house, basically. I had to turn all the lights on in my house. Okay. <laughs> is, is Guy Fox from V for Vendetta? Is that yes, like the anonymous that mask? Weird, yeah. That was a weird and choice. Like, for why, the mask. why don't they just use a different mask? But then I was like brainstorming. I was like, what kind of mask would they have? <laughs> but all I could think about was like this cardboard cutout of like an ace of spades with like two eye holes. And I was like, that's not good. Maybe if they could have like when they're when they see everything on the computer, then maybe if she spent more time with like they took more time to research and yeah. like found just a little bit more on that because it kind of was like, you know, some Google and then it was that, like, if they went, I don't know, library, public yeah. library, archives. I also wish that <laughs> there would have been, like, more discussion when Devin was looking through the computer. And, like, I wish that they would have dove into a few more of those folders because it was kind of like, oh, I saw a, f- a folder called murder. Oh, no, I have to go. And I was like, <laughs> Really? That's it? I put more <laughs> dimes into the internet. You know? 
I do wonder if there was going to be another book. Is it a series or is it a standalone? I think it, it's a standalone. Because yeah. on Goodreads, this is what I hate about Goodreads. It has like a second book, like an image, an outline of a second one. Like when you can go down and be like, other books in the series. It doesn't have a title or anything. There's just like an outline of a book. I swear. Let me look at it again. But I was like. So is it just confirmed but not published? I don't know. Published? I need a confirmation. I'm now I'm going to. Because it does a little bit feel like there there were satisfying things about the ending, but it didn't feel like every single thing was wrapped up. Like, will we follow new like- students? And and we we also get Devon and Chiamaka as the leaders of the underground thing. Like, I would I'd, I'd be, be cool. into I'd, it. I'd be yeah. that story, yeah. Because that's why, because there were so many loose ends still, that's why I felt it was kind of like a horror book, especially the ending of like my final patient. Good evening, Mr. Mm. Ward or Headmaster or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God. Like, Nurse Ratchet up in here. That's her name, right? The show? Ratchet. 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 I haven't finished the show. Nurse Ratchet, where she's, yeah. like, crazy evil. Yeah. But yeah. she's not crazy evil. She's just like, I'm going to no. get you. And I'm like, I'm here for it. <laughs> so this, um, Goodreads just says, us born has acquired a second untitled book from Farida. So I don't, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a um, sequel. And then she, she put a five-star rating and said, it's going to be good. I promise. So <laughs> I believe I, her. I really love her. Yeah. Sense I of mean, humor. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely read this. So I guess it wouldn't be, it necessarily won't be a sequel, but I would take one though or a prequel yeah. or a, a short something. Well, while we're on the subject, sort of, of the ending and how um, Dr. Chiamaka and Professor (laughs) Devon um, made made the underground society, I was really curious. I need to Google this because I was like, are there – there must be something – equivalent to the underground society in real life, you know? And if there isn't, there should be because, like, what? Like, I just – I just thought that was so cool that they decided to create this society to help future students and like mm-hmm. give them resources and was yeah. it called the Underground Society? I believe yeah, I think so. Like that- the Underground Railroad, I like helping. So, yeah. That mm. that's like the the point. That would make sense. The- <laughs> Is it bad that I don't believe that Chiamaka would like? I I was like, yeah, do I, I think believe she that she would be helping like, yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think she got out of there and she was like, oh, I'm glad this shit's done. I'm moving on. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Underground yeah. society. Mm-hmm. Okay. I I thought that was really cool as well. But I was like, how are they getting all this information? Like, that's got to be like a whole like spy network that they've got. Yeah. Like, I a noticed A spy network this... full of white people. Yeah. Because... <laughs> God. They're not no, going to give mean... up their secrets. Like... But to find out like which student is applying where, I'm like, how do you mm-hmm. do that? Anyway, I was very impressed by it. And I thought it was like, you know. But that's what, I want a book about that. That's, yeah. yeah. Yes. I want a book about so many different things that weren't <laughs> answered in this book because I care. I yeah. want to know. Yes. It was like there were too many things. Yeah, like we didn't even really touch on Devon and his father in prison. Oh, oh God. That was heartbreaking. When he asked about, and she was like, oh, he died a while ago. So yeah. sad. No, on the day just he weeping. Visited, yeah. Yep. Did yeah. he commit Last day. No, he's on death. No, he was on death row. But but like death row doesn't happen like 
that takes like decades yeah. sometimes. Yeah. So I was. I was kind of wondering if he, like, hung himself or something after he saw his son because he didn't want him Mm. to keep coming back because he said, don't come back here. And if he's not there, then Devon can't go back. True. So that was kind of up in the air, but I do think that it was um, suicide. Mm -hmm. That's the vibes I was getting. And I, oh, my God, that whole section was just, like... My stomach just dropped. Like, yeah, I didn't know how much I could take in this book. There was just so I think that's one of my like critiques is that there was just like no. I mean, obviously at the end they both made it out and are successful, but like there was no happy. Like there was no positives to break up all of the other negatives for the most, like obviously yeah. Chiamaka had her money, but like it was just thing after thing that kept, <laughs> they kept beating them down, especially Devon already was like so low, just trying to get through school. And I was like, give me something. And just every chapter she was like, Oh no, no, no. I'm just going to put another nail in this coffin. Yeah. And I, was I like, also Gosh. felt like it was a little bit of a, a missed opportunity with, Chiamaka's storyline, how her father is Italian mm-hmm. and white. They never talk about that, like within like the students or the society with like the mixing of races, because that would be almost, I would assume to them, worse than Devon just being black. Mm-hmm. The fact that Chiamaka's parents are of two completely different races, like they're their um quotation like superior race kind of thing Mm -hmm. and then for him to have had a child with a black person but that wasn't talked about at all and i feel like that was like a little bit of a mist Mm -hmm. it didn't have to be like the whole story but just to touch on it a little yeah Yeah, also i think oh go ahead no go ahead (laughs) um that that just made me think of i mean it was mentioned but that her father like didn't defend her or her mother when the family was like criticized or, you know, whatever. I was like, what? Like, how do you stay married for, you know, the listeners here, I am married to a white man. If he, if I went to visit his family and they just sat there and spewed racist stuff to me and he didn't say anything, I'd be like, Oh, (laughs) bye-bye. We're not, we're not doing. And so I thought that was really odd that it was just like, yeah, you know, okay, well, I'm just not going to say anything. I'll just go visit and y'all just stay here. That's super, I don't know. That was weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. Red flag central. Yeah. Yeah. That was weird. And also, um, like they kind of touched on it a little bit, but I wanted more when it was Chiamaka and her mother cooking. And she was talking about how like her mom always brings up her grandmother, but doesn't go into a lot of detail. And she wants to know Mm -hmm. more about her mother's family and her past and their culture. Cause I believe they're Nigerian, mm-hmm. I believe. And yeah, cause I really liked that part. And I liked seeing that other like kind of tender side of Chimaka where she's like, I actually really crave this for my mother and I want to get close to her, but we don't really talk about it. And I yeah. don't know why, you know? Yeah. So like, I guess she sort of touched on it with that moment, but I was like, Ugh, like, I feel like there was just so much in this book you couldn't touch on it all because then you end up being legend born, which is what I recommend. Yeah. Because it was so big and there was so much info. I was like, what? What? Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't 
because they explained everything, but I was like, oh my god, I can't process all this all, all at once. <laughs> um, I was just really into the fact that Chiamaka had, I think, her mother's last name, Adebayo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And not not the Italian father's last name. I was like, yeah, yeah, I, was, I was wondering about that, too. I'm I was like, that's that. definitely not Italian. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, and I was just like, what a strong, you know, like, powerful woman move, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, one thing that I I didn't really re- kind of the same way like that Tilly said like I didn't relate to Chiamaka at all because I was not a popular kid in in school and I don't think I was especially mean hopefully so <laughs> but like the thing that made me really feel for her was her talking about her mom and her mother braiding her hair mm-hmm. And her talking about having to go to school, even though she didn't straighten her hair and stuff like that. Um, One of my really good friends growing up was the only black student in our school, in high school. And she always had her hair straightened. And I remember spending the night at her house and she was in the opposite situation of Chiamaka, where her mother was white and her father was black. And her mother would like wash her hair for her. She'd like lay and like put her head over the tub and her mom would wash her hair for her. And I can remember that night like very clearly about her mom being like, don't straighten your hair. And she's like, well, I have to because it just like doesn't feel good to go to Mm -hmm. school with it curly. And I was like sitting in the living room, like listening to this. And I was like almost in tears because I was like, I loved her so much. She was like such a good person. And I think about her a lot like she was super super nice and to think that she was like struggling with that and she didn't have anybody Mm -hmm. else that was like a friend Mm -hmm. to talk to about it was just awful so i just thought about that a lot with chiamaka and like throughout the rest of the book too Yeah, yeah for sure they like a lot of those things that's why i could always feel for her even if i didn't love her personality or her attitude a lot because the same thing i mean i uh struggle I in high school I did the same thing I always straightened my hair I did for a long time and only recently haven't and I still am not confident with it so when she talked about that like you know feeling like she had to be you know this perfect and couldn't wear her natural hair and stuff like that I was like ooh, relatable yes I'm there with you Mm because it's just not I don't know I don't know the the right terms but yeah it's still something I struggle with as an adult Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting that on the cover, though, she did not have straightened hair. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yes. Because I was, yeah, I was reading it and I was like, oh, 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 oh. And I would like flip back to the cover. And I like yeah. that. I like that she or whoever, who did the, do they say on the, they don't say who did the artwork. Sometimes they put on the book. But um, I think it's in, it's in the back of the dust jacket. Um, jacket illustration by Adeleke Adekunle. Okay. Yeah. Well, I like that she chose to do the illustration of her on like the one day she went to school where she didn't straighten her hair, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's very, like, having read the book, we understand that if you just look at it, you're like, okay, two people on the front, looks like a playing card. But I do like that she chose that one day. And I don't remember what happened on that one day, but I feel like shit went down because <laughs> you know, of this book. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Yeah, there's just, oh, there's so much in this book to go over. It's like... Yeah, it was really rich with um, things to talk about and yeah. things to think about. And yeah, I mean, for for the, the amount of pages that it was, it wasn't very long. No. And like we all read it, I think, pretty quickly, but it really, mm -hmm. it sticks with you, I find. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for sure. you can tell that this book was very personal to the author, to Farida, mm -hmm. because, I mean, her author's note... Oh, I loved oh it. Yeah. I know. I don't always read the author's note, not gonna lie, but I wanted <laughs> to when I finished this book. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to know what your thoughts are. Like, what do you have to say after you wrote yeah. this book? What do you want to tell us, you know? And I just, like, wow, what a feat. What an accomplishment to stick with this for four years. And it's something very personal to her and how that evolves over four years and using her personal experiences like with her going to school in a new area feeling isolated and kind of and she said here like i did not have the same level of uh you know things happened to me when i went to school as happened in the book which i'm like i'm glad first of all <laughs> yeah. but also like you know just the fact that anyone relates to this stuff is terrible you know mm -hmm. and like I just really enjoyed, I enjoyed this book. I enjoyed her author's note. I feel like we got to know more about her as a person. I can't wait to hear more from her because I feel yes. like she's going to do some really cool stuff. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. But do we think she's only going to do thriller? I don't know. It's like, yeah, I don't, I feel like she could do anything. I like, I wouldn't be mad if she put out more thrillers because you know, they're, she probably learned so much from doing this book. And to read something else that she does that's in the same genre and like how much more elevated it will probably be and like more dynamic and maybe the pacing will be a lot better because she's already worked through some of that stuff, you know? <laughs> so yeah. I would be very happy for her to do another thriller. Oh yeah, I'll read. I'll read a yeah. thriller, I'll read a a full horror I'll novel. Read anything else anything else yeah. she puts out, I'd read it. I think. Yeah. Sometimes you, you just read an author where you're like, oh, I, I, I can tell that you're an excellent writer and I would read anything you write. So that's mm -hmm. how I feel about her. I'd yeah. like a full horror novel. I'd be I'd be down for that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Me too. I, I would like, read it, but I'd be scared. <laughs> I feel like she should collaborate with um, Jordan Peele and P. J. Lee Clark and make Ring Shout into a movie. Yes. Ring Shout. When, yes, when I read Ring Shout, when I finished it, I was like, okay, this needs to be Jordan Peele's next thing because it's like yes. sci fi horror dealing with racism in America. Like, <gasps> oh yes, I, I need it. No one is listening to me, but watch it, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's rude. We're listening to well, you. <laughs> no one who could make it happen. What are we, chopped liver? Okay. <laughs> um, Sorry, Kelly, just giving you a hard time. I'm used to it. It's okay. Oh. <laughs> okay, so did we have any favorite quotes or parts that we wanted to share before we wrap things yes. up? Yes. Oh, okay, Nikki. <laughs> She's ready. Well, so fast. <laughs> okay, this is not part this is not the part that I really liked, but I just flipped to it. <laughs> Were you guys all like audibly like what the fuck when she re or was it Devon when they rearranged the yes. letters? Audibly, of, yes. The, mm -hmm. Of the um, like school. school motto thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I literally almost threw the fucking book across the room. I was like, no. <laughs> I know. I was like, what? What? Like trying to. 
<laughs> oh my god. Wow. I thought I was so clever. I was like, Nivius, that means white. Haha. <laughs> Didn't even. Didn't even. <laughs> That's not your favorite part, though, right? <laughs> no, it was my least favorite part. Oh, I do have my favorite part here, though. Um, so this is on page 137, and it's um, a chapter from Chimaka's point of view. Um, he leans in close, whispering, You should think before you open your mouth, Chi. People might start to think you're making things up for attention. His voice drips with venom. We stare at each other for a few moments, his lips tugging up a little, almost like he's smiling at me. No, mocking me. See you around, Chiamaka, he says, his voice slithering back to its neutral state. Then he moves past, and I watch his figure compress as he walks away until it's no longer discernible. The cold in the hallway sweeps into my body. So, we all know this. The he that she's talking about is uh, Jamie. Mm -hmm. But, like, wow. That I could feel the hatred, yeah, just like oozing, yeah, out that whole section. Like, I mean, he reminded me of my ex who was like super abusive, gaslighting, like, oh my god. And that's why I was like, we've all met a Jamie, you know. And so, mm -hmm. when you put this Jamie in this situation, oh my god, and yeah, Farida, wow. Like, she's good. <laughs> just good about her. Yeah. You guys know I love a really well-written... Uh, villain. <laughs> villain, yeah. And this was it. It was great. I agree, yeah. Tilly, do you have something you want to share? Um, yeah. I, I just really uh, thought this was a powerful quote. It's from chapter 42. I don't know the page number, but it's from Chimaka's point of view. And it's when they're at the snowflake ball and she's looking at the crowns. So she says, but as I look at the crowns sitting on deep red cushions at the front of the ballroom, I realized how stupid this all is. The prefect badge, the crown, lumps of metal I tied so much of my self-worth to. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was just like, yeah, girl, been there. I mean, it's, it's, this is a part where I did kind of relate to Chiamaka where you, when you're a high achieving student and you apply so much of your self-worth to being like told that you're good to being graded. Yeah. And then when all of that kind of disintegrates, like obviously different for me, cause it was just, you know, graduating university and then, you know, you don't have a model anymore. How do you know that you're still good at something if you're not being graded on it? And I thought it was uh, just such an astute observation that, the way the things that you tie your self-worth to when you're in high school are different than when you're older. And I don't know, this really just hit home for me uh, kind of outside of obviously the whole situation that was going on, but I thought it was really a uh, really good commentary on that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It reminded me too of mean girls when she's like, it's just plastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it didn't yes. happen here, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I found my little part. So, my quote slash part is near the end of the book when Chiamaka finally reclaims her power against Jamie. I love a good revenge story <laughs> every time. So um, he is like trying to threaten her and intimidate her and hurt her. 
And she says to him, uh, or sorry, I guess this is right before she starts speaking. It says, I'm not going to let what he said hurt me. I won't give him that power over me. I'm Chiamaka fucking Adebayo. I don't need some prick telling me who I am and who I should be. Are you done with your speech? I ask, not waiting for a reply before continuing. Call me a whore. I don't care. But you, Jamie, you bring it up because you do care. He raises an eyebrow. You care that a girl like me can do what she wants and not give a crap about what you or anyone has to say. You care that you liked it and that your racist parents and this racist school gave you one job to get close to me and then stab me in the back. But instead, you liked it every second of it. I just was like, because then it led into... Right when she kicks him in the crotch and she's like rotten hell and she thinks to herself like, I'm so glad I wore these shoes today. You know, <laughs> like, I just my ball puncture. Yes. Shoes. Yeah. Yes. Iconic. Like, yes. Like after everything that he did to her, like throughout their whole relationship as friends. And then this year, well, friends, you know, and then this year, <laughs> like I just it reminded me of um, the end of children of blood and bone even though i didn't like the book where that one part i did like when the girl was like um when she killed her dad at the end and was like you know who was who was it i forget her name the the princess yes yeah i just i love the full circle like you can't hurt me so that was my favorite (laughs) amari yes amari amari Jess, did you did you have a quote or part that you would like to share? Um, so I hesitate to say this is my favorite part because like it's awful, but it, it's just a part that really stood out to me like I had palpable like goosebumps. Um and it's something we were talking about earlier with that bastard Mr. Taylor. Um when basically the confrontation when uh, D- Devon is talking about applying for Juilliard and he's like I thought you sorted it out and Mr. Taylor says son you should never leave your fate in the hands of someone else and um, <clears throat> he said you told me you sorted it out I repeat it like a broken record he told me he sorted it out that I was okay to practice whenever I needed to my voice rises in the bile of my stomach itches to crawl through my throat and spew all over him and his suit Mr. Taylor walks back to his piano and strokes his fingers across the keys as a loud, discordant pattern of notes screeches out. Like that was, I was like, oh no, oh no. And (laughs) then he's like, that I did, but it's okay, it's okay. He pats the air like he's patting me from afar. It's okay not to go to college, it's okay. Smiling wide, not all people are suited for higher education, especially your kind. Your kind needn't have an education. And to skip down... Devon asks, why? Why are you doing this? Mr. Taylor's face morphs, his expression confused, like the answer is so obvious and I can't see it. He leans back against the oak door frame, because I can. Like, it's just so... Ah! Yeah, so, like, not my favorite, but, like, woof. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Woof. It yeah. was Effective. a very well-written moment. Yes. Oh, my God. And same with... I, I guess we didn't, there's so, there's not enough time to talk about everything in this book, but also the part when Terrell is talking to Devon about white people yeah. and our role in racism. And Devon's like, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. Because I, I think it's the same part when Terrell's like, are they really good people? Like everyone you're mm-hmm. talking about from school, are they good? Are they helping you? Um, 
And I just thought like, wow, like I tabbed that because granted, this book is not a nonfiction, like we're going to teach you about being anti-racist, but like there were some mm-hmm. really good moments in here to start discussions, like the ones that we're having today. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just thought like, wow, that part was very very interesting having it between two young black men and not like a black person and a white person or two white people. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that was very interesting. Well, and especially that distinction between being good and being anti-racist or being like, you know, because that's such a, I think a common misconception for a lot of people is like, oh, well, I'm a good person, so I can't be racist. And it's like, well, it's not really that simple, is it? It's, it's so ingrained in, you know, our yeah. system and our society. So yeah, I thought that was really a really powerful section as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! I think that's about it for this episode. Oh my gosh! I feel like I feel like a big weight has been lifted, but not just because there was so much stress in this book that I was like, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> feels nice to have talked through some of it. Yeah. <clears throat> but thank you so much for listening to our very first episode of season two of the BYOB podcast. Thank you so much, Jess, for joining us. I am so happy that you were able to join, and I hope you had fun. You're welcome back anytime. Yay! <laughs> You're part of the BYOB family now, so... That's right. <laughs> you can join anytime. A coveted position. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> if you enjoyed this and want to hear more from us, you can head over to our social media accounts to keep up to date on all things BYOB. We'd like to thank Jess again for being our special guest today. And if you want to hear more from her and follow her bookish updates, you can find her on YouTube at Jess Owens or Instagram at said by Jess. Our next episode will be a little different as we'll be discussing one of our favorite contemporary romance series since the final book in the trilogy just came out. Stay tuned after this to hear the first line of the first book, The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang, about a shy statistician and the male escort she hires to help her practice dating. See you next time, and until then, keep on drinking in great stories. Cheers! Next time on BYOB, the Bring Your Own Book podcast. I know you hate surprises, Stella. (laughs) 